Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. I think it's absolutely irresponsible for conservative premiers to be threatening our national unity if they don't get their way. Uh, the fundamental job of any Canadian prime minister is to hold this country together, to gather us together and move forward in the right way. Uh, and anyone who wants to be Prime Minister, like Andrew Scheer, needs to condemn those attacks on national unity. All right, there you go. You know what else is irresponsible, I would think, to play a game on the issue of unity. Because Mr. Trudeau knows very, 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 very much that uh, Western alienation is a very real thing because polling back in March by a couple of different polling companies uh, reveals that more than half of Albertans and Saskatchewans would in fact separate given the chance. And that's because the level of frustration in those two provinces over the over the completely ridiculous um, amount of work you have to do to get any energy to market. I mean, that is all on very fragile ground. And so here we have Mr. Trudeau playing politics on this issue, exer- ignoring, I think, what many people view as very real concerns of a struggling middle class being destroyed by anti-oil policy. And so, again, we're in an election year. It is a back and forth and a word game. Where does it go from here? Let's ask. Andrew Scheer, leader of the Conservative Party, joining me now. Mr. Scheer, good to have you. The Prime Minister um, asked you to condemn the premiers who penned that letter asking for a reversal on Bill 48 and 69. Is that going to happen? Not at all. Uh, I will continue to condemn Justin Trudeau's handling of this file, his decision to ram through a piece of legislation that has universally uh, been uh, been denounced as being devastating to our energy sector, uh, that uh, that it will lead to a future where there will be no more pipelines built and thousands and thousands of jobs lost, not just in Western Canada, but across the country. Uh, there's a reason why premiers of all different political stripes have signed on to this opposition. Uh, the threat to national unity the, the, the specter of regional alienation is being caused by Justin Trudeau, and now he's blaming uh, others who are pointing out the, the, the consequences of his actions. He needs to stop doing that and cancel Bill C-69. Is there a national unity problem in this country right now? There is a growing sense of, uh, of regional alienation. There's a growing sense that the policies conducted by, enacted by this government uh, are imposing that top-down, Ottawa knows best, approach that fails to take into account regional differences. Uh, Natural resources are under provincial jurisdiction and provincial governments are entrusted in in managing them to the benefit of of the people of those provinces. And to have a government in Ottawa, uh, whether it's overriding the concerns of New Brunswick or Ontario or Manitoba, Saskatchewan or Alberta, uh, all for a political ideology that wants to see the oil and gas left in the ground. Uh, Remember, Justin Trudeau says he wants to phase out the energy sector. Uh, Obviously, that's going to have a devastating impact on the people of Western Canada who have gone through a devastating Mm -hmm. downturn over the last few years that are desperate for help. If your government uh, comes to power in the fall, does Bill C-48 and 69 get torn up should or when they get uh, rammed through? Uh, absolutely, we're going to repeal those pieces of legislation. Uh, the Bill C-48 is a shipping ban that prevents 
access to deep water ports. It means that we won't be able to sell our energy to, to Asian countries like India. Uh, I met with Prime Minister Modi in India last year. He's very excited at the prospect of having access to uh, Canadian energy that's taken out of the ground at high environmental standards with, uh, with all the accountability that comes with that. And, uh, and it doesn't apply to other countries. C-48 only applies to Canadians. Uh, on C-69, absolutely, this is being called the no more pipelines bill. So, of course, we would repeal that. We need to get pipelines built in this country. My vision is to have a corridor bringing Western Canadian energy to Eastern Canadian markets and hydroelectricity from, from, from Eastern uh, Canadian provinces to other provinces so we can become self-sufficient when it comes to energy. That's something I believe Canadians support. All right. And so I'll get to the pharma plan in just a minute because that was the other big uh, fantasy announcement that came out today. But certainly that begs the question, you know, about your environmental plan. When are you rolling that out? Um, and how do you get pipelines uh, built when really, uh, you know, your predecessor, Stephen Harper, certainly had his own issues and, and certainly this government hasn't been able to do it either. Mm-hmm. Well, first of all, I was very pleased to announce today that our environmental plan will be unveiled next week on June 19th. Uh, it is going to be a comprehensive uh, proposal. This will be the most comprehensive policy ever put forward by an opposition party. It'll be more It'll be uh, more comprehensive than the current Liberal government's approach, which is just to put a, a carbon tax on everything. Uh, we know that the current Liberal government is not going to meet their, their targets. Uh, they will have to raise the carbon tax as much as $300 a ton before they can even start talking about meeting those targets. But I will point out that the previous Conservative government, over our 10 years uh, in office, did see four major pipeline projects proposed and built with private sector money, increasing our capacity to get our exports to other countries. Uh, I believe that what we need to do in order to get pipelines built and still work towards reducing emissions is to look at a more global context, to recognize that if we chase jobs and investment and emissions out of Canada, only to see them pop up in countries like China that don't have the same environmental standards, we haven't done the world any favors. So I'd rather help the world get off of, uh, of, of, of dirty oil coming from Saudi Arabia, knowing what the proceeds of those uh, sales goes to, uh, more clean oil around the world, more clean energy around the world, and looking at how our industries here in Canada, like the aluminum industry, can help reduce global emissions by making sure that investments and expansions are happening in Canada where we have access to clean technology and higher standards. Now, I know you won't uh, roll out the uh, initiatives of your environmental plan tonight, but does your plan deal with uh, the recycling issues facing this country, the plastics, the uh, landfill issues? How, how will your plan differ um, and yet still look like a true environmental plan uh, than what we've got with Trudeau? Right, and that's a and that's a great question because what we get with Justin Trudeau is a lot of symbolic gestures without any substance, uh, not just on the environment but across the board. More and more, he's just showing Canadians that he's just not as advertised. Uh, what our plan will speak to is uh, ensuring that when we are looking at plastics specifically for recycling, uh, that they are actually recycled, uh, that there is a plan in place to actually deal with them so we're not just shipping them off to other countries to be burned or to fill up landfills in, in other countries. That's not a, a responsible approach. We're also not going to impose uh, the type of policy that Justin Trudeau did without a plan announcing that uh, that he's going to ban plastics and all that comes with it, with his personal hypocrisy 
uh, we're going to have a responsible approach to work with industry to reduce plastics, specifically when it comes to packaging as well. Uh, yes, there's there's work to be done when it comes to single-use plastics and water bottles and things like that. But I can tell you, every Christmas when uh, when I see my kids opening up what they get, so much plastic is involved in packaging and picks. You know, we, see, we see the results of that, uh, uh, of what industries are, are using, what re- the retail sector is using. I think we can work on a more collaborative, a collaborative approach with our major trading partners to approach this all together. All right. I want to talk about this pharma plan, which was uh, rolled out today. Um, you know, we hear these national plans, no question about it. They sound great. Uh, you know, they're very popular sounding to Canadians. I think when polling was done on this issue, 91% of Canadians, you know, support this national uh, program, but uh, it's expensive. Um, would you support this um, rollout by Dr. Hoskins or Eric Hoskins? Would you would you support a national pharmacare plan if, in fact, there's a change of government? Mm. Well, first of all, we should remember where Eric Hoskins comes from. Mm. And he was part of a disastrous Kathleen Wynne government that brought about unsustainable levels of spending, massive deficits and higher taxes that came along to pay for it. So I have no confidence in a Kathleen Wynne, a cabinet minister, designing for Canada the types of policies that had such a disastrous effect uh, in Ontario. I also don't have much faith in a, in a policy announcement that the Liberals have literally been announcing every election since 1997. You know, this is something that they roll out in uh, on the eve of almost every election, and uh, I don't believe there's actually a plan in place. The vast majority of Canadians have access to pharmaceutical coverage. The vast majority of Canadians qualify for either a provincial plan or a work-sponsored plan. And what this report talks about is taking away all of that uh, from individuals, a $15 billion uh, price tag minimum. That would be the equivalent of a two-point increase on the GST to pay for it. Uh, that's it, and that's, that's a, at a minimum level. Okay, do you, does your plan then, like, do you have any plan for any kind of, of, of na- a pharma plan? I mean, obviously the provinces have patchwork plans put together, but will your government do anything for those, let's say, under the, um, you know, the poverty level or, or certainly middle class? Well, I think that's where we should be focusing on is who who are the people who are falling into the, the gaps. Uh, reports indicate that as much as 98% of as many as 98% of Canadians uh, qualify for these uh, types of coverages. So, who are the two percent that are falling through those gaps? Who uh, are either self-employed and don't have the resources to purchase it for themselves, or uh, are working on types of jobs that don't offer it but earning too much to qualify for provincial plans? That's where we're going to be focusing on. What are some of the tools that the federal government can used to address those types of people uh, without, uh, you know, uh, taking away the types of coverage that Canadians have enjoyed for years and years, decades and decades, uh, that are very popular. Cases. The same polls that show that people, uh, you know, would be supportive of, of some type of move on pharmaceutical coverage uh, indicate that Canadians generally are very happy with their own plans. So we have to have a balanced approach that doesn't take away uh, that freedom and that choice from individuals. We learned today that uh, Beijing ignored a personal attempt by Prime Minister Trudeau to start conversations with uh, China's premier um, to deal with this crisis, including the uh, Canadians that are detained, uh, and that was ignored. What is and what would your approach be with China? Well, I would stand up for Canada is what I would do, and I think it's appalling that Justin Trudeau continues to do literally nothing when it comes to showing China that there are consequences for treating two Canadians uh, in this manner. Uh, we've got two Canadians who are behind bars uh, with, no ju- with no justification, and Justin Trudeau continues to do things like fund 
China's Asian Infrastructure Bank. I would pull that funding. I would show the government in China that there are consequences to mistreating Canadian citizens. The fact that Justin Trudeau can't even get a phone call indicates that our uh, you know major governments around the world just don't take him seriously. And why would why would they? After his trip to India, uh, after backing down to Donald Trump, after being completely uh, played by the government of China, China when he went there uh, seeking a free trade deal, it's clear that he's not representing Canada on the world stage. Does tr- does China and trade uh, have a place with you? Um, you know, if you take government, then do you still do trade deals with China, or are you moving on and diversifying? Well, I, I think I think the last year or so should uh, open our eyes to the reality of, of, of the current government in China. Uh, 20 years ago, there was a lot of optimism that there was a path for reform and liberalization within China, both economically uh, and and in terms of how uh, it governs its people. It's quite clear that this current government in China has a much different approach. And if they are willing to ride roughshod over you know principles of, of justice to detain, to, uh, to imprison two Canadians in retaliation, what would that mean if we had a free trade deal? What would that mean to Canadian companies who had uh, exposure in China? So I believe that there is space for trade with China. Absolutely. They're an important market for our exports and an important source of investment dollars. But we need to have a very, very prudent and uh, an eyes wide open, wide open approach to China and and only sign off on deals uh, and, and, and make progress where it is quite clear that it's to our benefit and there are robust rules in place to hold the government of China accountable if they start ignoring them. You have been, uh, I'm not sure if you've caught the attack ads, but I mean, there's a few running right now, but uh, you're, you're considered weak. I mean, there are people within the conservative government or party that will say, you know, you've moved far to the center. Are you moving more to the center to appeal to a wider base or to capture those disappointed with Mr. Trudeau? What do you say to those conservatives who feel that you don't necessarily represent the right anymore? Mm-hmm. Well, I actually haven't been hearing that at all. Uh, what I've been you got to turn on the game. Or- Watch the game tomorrow. There's a there's a lot of a lot of ads with your face on them. Yeah, well, those are generally coming from third-party groups who are opposed to conservatives in general, uh, and, uh, and and getting money from uh, union dues through Unifor funding these type of third-party attack ads. Uh, I've always been the same person. I've always said that a conservative party uh, needs to do two things. It needs to stay true to our conservative principles. We need to be the party of individual liberty, of freedom, of limited government, and standing up for the rights of Canadians and, and protecting them from, from government overreach. And we need to be the party of fiscal responsibility, of lower taxes, and a dynamic private sector. But we also need to have a message, and when we talk about those things, have a message that appeals to a broader audience of Canadians. Uh, we lost the last election, I believe, not because of our policies, but because there were a lot of Canadians that just didn't see themselves in our party. Party. And what I've been able to do, and I can point to Leona Alislev uh, crossing the floor f- from the Liberals, uh, not because we changed our policies on the carbon tax, not because we suddenly were in favor of uh, deficits or, or government control of the economy, but because we had a message that she she felt re- resonated with her. And I hear that from coast to coast. So many former Liberals, people who voted Liberal in the last election, realize that Justin Trudeau's policies and Justin Trudeau's party uh, don't leave any space for them. But they can see themselves in our party because we're approaching these issues, yes, from a principled conservative point of view, but with a message with uh, and, and with myself as leader, uh, doing it so in a way that uh, more and more Canadians can see themselves spinning at home with I don't have any more time except for Game 6. The Raptors taking it in 6, or is this coming home to a a Game 7? 
you know, as much as it would be great to win it at home and, and all the, the joyous celebrations that would come with that, I just want to get it done. I want to see them win it at six. So uh, let's not take any chances, even though it'll be on the road. I, I, I'm hopeful and I'm, I'm feeling really very optimistic that they're going to do it on the road in game six and come home with the championship. All right. Well, uh, don't change any behavior and we will see, uh, <laughs> see what happens. Uh, Mr. Shear, thanks a lot. We will have you on again. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Andrew Shear joining me on Point on Global News Radio.